Money, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. Hey, Rainmakers. In today's episode, I interview myself. I go into detail about how I got into entrepreneurship and talk about my own six-figure side hustle, which is a very, very niche industry. It's called public adjusting. A lot of people have not heard of it. And I give you guys some really great tips on what to look for in a good property insurance policy. Of course, I could really go on and on about this because I love insurance. I love talking about insurance. I don't want your eyes to glaze over, but it is a really important topic. I hope that you guys get all the gems out of this and that you really find enjoyment. And of course, if you are interested in this industry, make sure you join the Facebook group or reach out for more information. Like I said, I love talking about this topic to really anyone who has an interest. Hope this helps you guys and you enjoyed as much as I did giving it. Welcome to the Six Figure Side Hustle podcast hosted by me, Sabrina Brooks, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of a highly successful public adjusting firm. I'm obsessed with reaching the two comma club just like you are. This is your all-access pass inside the minds of high-income earners, expert side hustlers, and entrepreneurs who have successfully launched, scaled, or diversified their businesses. We're sharing all kinds of business, marketing, and mindset insight. And trust me, our conversations are full of actionable tips that will leave you feeling clear on what to do next and motivated to take action. If you were born with an entrepreneurial spirit, are obsessed with business and marketing and want nothing more than to create time and financial freedom for yourself and your family, this is the show for you. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Six Figure Side Hustle. Of course, I'm your host, Sabrina Brooks. Today, I'll be interviewing myself because I have my own six-figure side hustle story in an industry that most people really never heard of. So just to go through my entrepreneur origin story, when I was a college student a very, very long time ago, I was basically trying to get in business any way I could. I did pretty much everything. I sold Mary Kay and Avon at the same time. I was in travel companies. I was in the health juice membership clubs trying to sell $80 bottles of juice. That didn't go very well. The solar, when my state of Pennsylvania deregulated energy, or if you're in any state where they deregulated energy, you're probably familiar with people knocking on doors, trying to get you to switch to their deregulated energy company. So if you name it, I tried it. Uh, And largely, I was unsuccessful with all of those. 
And then one day on my winter break, the year was 2010. I was a senior in college. It was my winter break. In 2010, we're a a few years out from the financial recession that had took place, the housing bubble burst of 2008, which caused a lot of people to be unemployed, laid off. And the job market was very, very bleak, especially for people about to enter into the job market. You have people with advanced degrees, people with decades of experience, and they were actually competing for the same entry-level jobs that you know college graduates typically get. So getting a job really wasn't an option in my mind. I didn't, you know, the the competition was really stark in my my industry. I, I graduated with a degree in psychology and one in marketing. Psychology basically had to, you know, you're going up against doctors. In marketing, you're going up against people with MBAs. So I just knew entrepreneurship was kind of the path I had to take. I just didn't find the right vehicle. So during my winter break, I responded to a Craigslist ad for part-time property inspectors. They said you could make about $500 per hour. And obviously that was very good clickbait. I ended up at an opportunity meeting for a company in my area that talked about insurance claims being represented from the consumer side. I had never heard any of this information, you know, as far as property claims and how people get could get paid for their property damages to fix their homes or really how people were getting shortchanged. I didn't know any of this at that time. I didn't even own a home and many of my friends didn't own homes either, but the opportunities seemed very, very enticing. So I joined. I began training as a public adjuster, which is basically a consumer advocacy role. We represent home and business owners when they have property insurance claims. So only public adjusters and licensed attorneys are permitted to negotiate the outcome of a property insurance claim. It's a very, very niche industry. We don't do car insurance claims. We can't handle personal liability claims or life insurance claims, really anything outside of property damage claims. So my first year as a public adjuster, I made $8,000 working part-time, which is hardly anything to write home about, but I kept training. I kept plugging away. I was going to every training class I could and really trying to learn everything I could about insurance policies, how, you know, property damage affects different building materials. These are all fields I had no idea. I didn't have a construction background. I didn't have an insurance background. I didn't have any knowledge of reading contracts, which is what an insurance policy is. So I was basically starting with no industry knowledge and trying to claw my way up because I felt like this was the best opportunity I was going to have to succeed. So the second year as a public adjuster, I made $56,000. And this was the, this was the year after I had graduated. Now, some of my friends who I graduated with did go on to find traditional W-2 jobs in their fields. And they were starting usually at around 24000 to about $40,000. That was the entry-level salary. And if you got 40, you were doing pretty good. You, you were pretty much in like some sort of science field 
or computer technology field. But most of my friends were making about thirty-two to thirty-six thousand dollars, and I made fifty-six thousand. My you know, technically my second year, I had complete control over my schedule. A lot of my time was spent training. So if I had to break down my income producing activity hours, I was basically working part-time and getting that full-time salary that was more than my peers at the time. So after that, I was pretty fully committed. I went on to get some advanced level training and started as a field adjuster. So my third year, I made $106,000. And I was definitely hooked. That was six figures. Now, of course, I was working full time. I was handling Superstorm Sandy, which was a storm that hit the East Coast, which is where I live. So I was getting up early. I was driving to different sections of New Jersey and different parts of Maryland and Pennsylvania that had been devastated by this storm. But I saw very quickly how this is a needed industry. People are getting shortchanged on their property damage claims, and most people are not knowledgeable even about what things are covered. So this is an industry that is like David and Goliath, where the Davids were battling against Goliath. The insurance companies have billions and billions of dollars, and they use that, some of them, to... um, get over on their clients. So I really fell in love with this industry. By nature, I like to argue. So the negotiation side was very appealing, but I saw that I was able to overturn claims that were denied by insurance companies and get them covered. Or when people had claim settlements, in some cases, I'm able to double, triple. And in one case, I got five times the amount that they got themselves. The longer I've been doing this, I see that those results are pretty typical. I'm able to negotiate higher settlements than what people were able to give to themselves. So about 10 years later, I was working for the firm. I decided to go out on my own and I opened up my own public adjusting firm just because of some difference and values between myself and my old firm. So right at the start of COVID, I entered into this industry and I make events that usually will affect different industries negatively actually affect this industry positively. So do I started this business during an economic recession and I didn't really have anything to compare it to, but during those times when people are struggling and they don't have, you know, a lot of money, they're more willing to file claims to get their property damage covered because they don't have money to make repairs. They don't want to pull money out of their pockets because really their pockets are empty. So I'm able to help them repair their properties to the, how they were before the damage occurred. So recession proof, I consider this to be a very recession proof industry. When the money is flowing, people sometimes don't want to be bothered with an insurance claim or they're more willing, I don't know why, but to pay out of pocket for covered damages. I found out that this industry is pandemic proof. I was never shut down or subject to any government regulations during the COVID epidemic, which a lot of industries were. A lot of small business owners were forced to shut down 
or implement a lot of costly measures just to continue their operations. And it's such a niche industry, we kind of slid under the radar. And what's better is a lot of insurance companies were not sending their own insurance adjusters out. So they were actually dependent on my photos and estimates to be able to pay these people's claims. So that that was good for me. I didn't actually have to meet with the insurance adjusters. I was just sending in my well-documented file and they were pretty much just paying my estimates, which is usually unheard of, you know, to get your estimates paid in full. It happens sometimes, but usually you'll submit your estimate, you know, and they'll come in, you know, lower than your estimate. So that was really great for my clients. And right now we're going through times of unprecedented inflation. The cost of labor has risen. The cost of materials has risen. There are additional costs like gas surcharges that are being charged. And that's actually also been good for this industry because we charge a contingency fee based on the claim settlement. So the higher the claim settlement, the higher our fee. So yeah, with the cost of labor and materials, claim settlements are going up just because, you know, you can't get your repairs done for the same cost you were, you know, five, 10, or even really three years ago, just we're in a whole different landscape. So I call this, the RIP industry, because it's recession-proof, inflation-proof, and pandemic-proof. And almost no one's ever heard of it. When when I'm at a networking event, they say, oh, what do you do? And I say, I'm a public adjuster. Really, no one's heard of that. You're probably sitting there thinking, you've never heard of that. So right now, I'm really getting into the advocacy and training of additional public adjusters, because this is such a needed field. Every year, insurance companies are kind of coming up with new ways to limit payments, deny payments, delay payments for their own policyholders. And because most people don't know that there is an industry that could help them with their insurance claims, we need more people in this industry. So there's not too many industries around that there's a a real, real need for people that, you know, aren't super saturated. So I say realtors, every realtor should have their public adjusting license. A lot of home professionals. This is to me just one of the best six figure side hustles. I teach people how they can get licensed and make six figures their first year. So for me, it took three years. But had I known then what I know now, it it wouldn't have taken me the three years. But I have some different marketing strategies. So if you want to work part-time 12 months, I have a strategy for that. Or if you want to work overtime for six months, I have a strategy for that. If you want to travel, if you want to stay in your own backyard, it's just a really good complementary industry to, to so many different professions. So I would be remiss if I did not leave you guys with some tips in how to make sure that you're properly covered. So if you do have 
an insurance claim on one of your properties, whether that be your own home, your business. If you are in real estate, we've had a lot of real estate professionals that are teaching you how to get started in the real estate game. I just want to make sure you guys are fully prepared and kind of understand why insurance is needed. It's it's not a scam. It's actually, to me, one of the most brilliant concepts where you could actually pay a few hundred dollars and someone is taking on the risk of hundreds of thousands of dollars, meaning I could pay a premium for my home of a hundred dollars and coverage would start at 1201 on that evening. At 1202, if your home suffers a fire, your insurance company has to cover those damages, which could be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, if you have a fire one minute after coverage, they're going to investigate, but things happen every day. So if this is, you know, a legitimate incident, they have to pay you what the costs are to repair your home, to replace your contents, and even to put you up in a hotel while those repairs are being made. So in essence, it's a really beautiful concept. Now, of course, when you have for-profit corporations coming into play, it, ge it gets a little dicey. Um, so here's some things you want to look for. You want to make sure that you're insured to value. If you have a building, you want to make sure that you have enough coverage to repair it with like kind and quality building materials if it was burnt to the slab. So what would that structure cost to rebuild with today's prices? You know, you may, if you have a super old structure, like in a lot of areas I work, most of the buildings and homes were built in the 1800s, the early 1900s, no, that, yeah, early 1900s. So a lot of building codes have updated and changed. So it's some things would be more expensive to do, like the egress windows, like sprinkler systems, things of that nature. So you really want to know what the cost would be. You could do that by consulting with a builder, someone who builds new homes. Many public adjusters, including myself, can do valuations in our software system to come up with a rough number. But you want to make sure that should the ultimate devastation happen, you can afford to rebuild your home. And this is called a replacement cost policy. So every policy you have should be replacement costs, RCV. And that simply means that when you get a settlement and there's depreciation taken, which there will always be some sort of depreciation withheld from your claim, that when you make repairs, that amount gets reimbursed. So if you have an actual cash value policy and they take depreciation and withhold it, you won't get that money back. So these are kind of jargony terms, but it's very important to make sure. And you don't really have to actually understand it. It's more important that when you call your agent and, you know, or whoever you went through, you know, and make sure you have that replacement cost policy all around on your buildings, on your portfolio and on your, your personal residence. Another key concept in insurance 
is you want to make sure you have special policy. It's also known as all risk policy, open peril policy. It could be constituted by the three. So if you're dealing in homeowners, it's called an HO3 policy. If you're a landlord and you're insuring your structure, but you don't insure the contents, it's called a DP3 policy. If you have a commercial building, it would be called a CP3 policy. And if you have a building, it would be a BP policy, a business owner's policy. So these go across the different categories of property ownership, but but basically this means as long as it's not excluded, it's covered. So in an insurance, you have two different cat. Well, it breaks down a lot. This is why people usually don't understand their policies. But in insurance, you have uh, named peril policies, meaning you'll get, you'll be paying for an insurance policy, and within it, they'll name certain things that they'll cover you for. And if something happens that is not named specifically in your policy, then it's not covered no matter the cost. So you can have $100,000 worth of damages to your home and you can't live there and you know you lost all your stuff and it's still not covered. And most people get confused about that because they say, oh, well, I had insurance, but you have to make sure that you're covered for those events that are happening. So you wanna make sure you have an open peril, all peril, special, you know, whatever they call it in insurance terms, you want to make sure that you have that and that you're insured to value based on the replacement cost of rebuilding your structure. So these are, well, to me, they're very basic concepts. You may be like, what are you even talking about? So for all my listeners, of course, I want to extend this special offer. If you have any questions, if you are not sure what policy you have, you can email me a copy of your policy for free and I'll review it. I'll let you know, like, this is a terrible policy or, you know, and I'll point out certain things that you may not have been aware of. Um, Of course, this is a free service to all my viewers because I think that proper insurance is that important. In some cases, it could protect you from bankruptcy. I mean, we we consider our biggest assets to be our homes. Many business owners, their biggest assets are their businesses. And in the blink of an eye, you could really lose everything because of a random event you had no control over and you could be wiped out financially. So it's just as important to protect your investments to protect what you're building, if not more. We're not we're not in the business of working hard and putting all this money into things to just lose it for from some sort of circumstances. So if you have policy questions, you can email your policies to Sabrina at pledgeadjusting.com. Of course, that's S-A-B-R-I-N-A at pledge P-L-E-D-G-E adjusting a d j u s t i n g dot com if you don't want me to know where you live or where the property is located you can blank that information out that's fine i'm not trying to stalk anyone i'm trying to make sure that you're properly protected 
I've unfortunately I have seen cases where people did have to walk away from properties because they weren't properly insured. And there is no going back. When you file a claim, it's based on the date of loss. So if January 1st, your, your, well, fires are covered by all policies. A good example would be flood insurance. So nobody in any of the policies that I mentioned is covered for floods. So if a body of water overflows, if we get massive torrential rains and your basement floods or really any part of your home floods, if it could be attributed to a flood, which is very, very specifically written, it's excluded from all home, business, renters, commercial policies, dwelling policies. Typical companies do not cover floods. You have to get a separate flood insurance policy, which is underwritten by the National Flood Insurance Program, NFIP, I believe. To me, we're all living in a flood zone and that gets proven kind of every single year. So about a year or two ago, my area of Philadelphia, this whole region, Philadelphia, Montgomery County, Bucks County, we got flooded. New Jersey got flooded. New York got flooded. And it was devastating. These are areas that had never even gotten water in their basement. And all of a sudden they had four feet, six feet, 10 feet of water in their homes. And I mean, it, it caused mass devastation, not just because there was the loss of life in some cases, which is always very tragic when you're dealing in, in the insurance industry because we're all kind of policy numbers, but because I'd say, and I'm being generous, I'd say less than 5% of people had coverage for these damages. And I'm starting to see a lot of those homes hit the market where they, you know, where they were flooded. So you're having to sell your property for pennies on the dollar because they're severely damaged. And when you're selling a property that has flood damage in people's minds, they think, well, if it flooded one time, it can flood again. So to me, we all live in a flood zone because you could just get a mass amount of rain. And there are, every insurance policy has exclusions, all of them, even like I said, the all risk policies, you know, the the name peril policies can can cover specific things and still have a lot of exclusions. The open peril policies cover everything that is not specifically excluded, but they do have specific exclusions. And every insurance company has basically written out floods. So they could be very devastating. They could be very costly when they happen. But if you're not covered for something, it doesn't matter the dollar amount. It matters coverage on the date of loss. So if something devastating happens, there's no rewind button where you could go back. And, you know, one of my mentors always says, you can't get insurance when your house is on fire. So if you, you know, if you own your home outright, you're not required to have insurance. So you know, if your house catches on fire, they don't want to insure you and take on that risk. So part of wealth building, part of having a sound financial strategy 
is making sure you're properly protected in all aspects. It also comes with liability protection. As I said, I don't handle liability claims, but when you're building, you know, towards six figures, some people will go on to make seven figures and more in some of these side hustles we talk about. You will be sued. (laughs) Whenever you're doing great, you know, people see you have assets. Proper insurance also comes with liability protection. So when you get sued, the insurance company is hiring an attorney on your behalf. So if you own a home, someone falls down your steps, the dog bites the mailman, whatever the case, the insurance company up to a certain amount will handle that. So it usually comes in like $100,000, You know, you just want to make sure you have a, a good amount of liability because as we said, the cost of everything goes up. The cost of a hospital stay for a couple of days might be $100,000, let alone someone having to have surgery because they fell on your steps. So you definitely want to have high liability limits. There is something called an umbrella policy as well. They're usually very, very cheap. So you can have a million dollars worth of liability coverage for like hundreds of dollars a year, which would protect you if you cause a car accident, it would extend to your home. So it's really good to find a good agent who understands. Not every agent really understands the products that they're selling. And I like to recommend that my clients find smaller mutual companies versus the big names that we see advertised on TV. The the mutual companies are usually owned by the policyholders and they usually do a better job of ensuring customer satisfaction. So I don't recommend any one company over another. I just say you should definitely... One hack would be to go on Facebook or Google and type in whatever your insurance company is, sucks.com, because some insurance companies actually have groups that have been devoted by, like, that have been formed by their policyholders who got screwed over and they just tell all the horror stories. So you want to make sure that you're not paying premiums to a company. And all these people are saying, you know, when something happens, they don't pay you fairly. They're dragging the process out. And if you are in real estate, we talk about a lot about teams and who needs to be on your teams. You know, we all know we need a good CPA. We all know we need a good attorney. You know, if you have enough units, you need a good property manager. You need a good public adjuster on your team as well. You need someone who could go in, walk your properties, make sure that, um, you know, all your policies are the best that they could be. And someone who can handle the claims for you and has that niche specialization. Property managers do not have that niche specialization. They will oftentimes do a lot of patchwork which could devalue your property. Whereas if you have a public adjuster, they'll file a covered loss and maximize that so that if it's floor damage, you could get the whole floor replaced. If it's paint, you're getting the whole room painted, not just you know where you see those little paint patches, which clearly are different from the room. So if you are in real estate, you need a, a good hungry public adjuster on your team. If you are looking for 
this uh, another six-figure side hustle. Of course, I think that this is one of the best six-figure side hustles that you can have because you'll be a, a, a diamond in the rough. You know, if you go to a networking event, there's not going to be another public adjuster there. There might be a couple other realtors there. There might be a couple other mortgage brokers there. There might be a few, you know, there's usually multiple people in the same room who do the same thing. I've never met another public adjuster when I'm going out to network. So it's, it's the service sells itself. I'm basically finding money that you didn't know you were owed. So if someone owed you $10,000, would you want to know about it? Or would you just want to pay out of your pocket? Or would you just want to leave the damages there? So if you are interested in this industry, I do have an ebook that teaches you the seven steps to get started in this industry. You can find that on publicadjustingsecrets.com. Um, there's a free Facebook group that goes along with it. You could join and kind of start getting some of the information. You know, I try to answer all questions that come up in that group and form a community of like-minded individuals interested in pursuing this as a career. That Facebook group is also Public Adjusting Secrets. It's a free and open group. I didn't want to create any barriers to entry for that. But again, if you do want to get started, that website is publicadjustingsecrets.com. If you just want to make sure that you have really good insurance policies, email them over. I don't charge for that. I don't mind doing that. I'm usually pretty quick and I don't sell insurance. I'm not saying to send your policies so I can upsell you on something I'm selling. I can't sell insurance policies. I can only provide you with uh, my opinion as someone who's been doing this and point little caveats out like, hey, this insurance company isn't licensed. They don't abide by the rules of the departments of insurance. I don't really like my clients to have a company that you can't ultimately sue if they're not treating you fairly. It just gives them a lot of power. And then I always, like I said, I always look to make sure that you have an open peril policy that you have an RCV policy. I wouldn't know if you were insured to value without, you know, knowing more about your home and making sure that your deductible is reasonable. Some people will have a percentage deductible. It might say 1%, 2%, 5%. And I've noticed that a lot of people think that that's of the settlement. So like if you have a $10,000 settlement, you would pay 1% or like $100. I think that's 1%. It's not, it's a percentage of the dwelling amount. So if you have a $500,000 home, I'm not the best with math and I don't have my calculator, but you could do the math. If you have a $500,000 home and a 5% deductible, I think that might be 2,500. Yeah, I would need my calculator, but... Just, I don't recommend percent deductibles. Some people have wind and hail percent deductibles because they live in an area and they can't escape that. But you just have to be aware because if you're going to get hit with a five or 10 or $15,000 deductible, which comes off the top of the claim, you just want to be prepared. That needs to be a financial planning bucket where you have that liquidity set aside. So really having someone that you could strategize with, if it's not me, you know, 
find a good public adjuster in your area, make sure that they're licensed, that they're bonded. But as always, I'm here for any questions you might have. So just join the group and I'll see you next time. I hope this was informative. I really enjoy talking about this industry and all things insurance. I could probably go on for another few hours talking about this industry, which, you know, has brought me a lot of financial security and a lot of freedom to operate in ways that I probably wouldn't if I had gotten a job. So I will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you loved it and would like to leave a review, I would be extremely grateful. That's the best way to help other entrepreneurs like you find the show. You can also connect with me on Instagram at business and make sure you're subscribed to the show. I had a blast recording today's show for you, and I hope you got some amazing value from my guests. Talk to you next time.